Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content that it provides, make sure you hop over and check out the all-new Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is a combination of the CVA SPS community and the Rugby Strength Coach community, bringing you what is sure to be the Internet's leading resource for continuing education for strength and conditioning professionals. Combining these two resources has allowed us to bring some of the best content from some of the best minds in the world together for your one-stop shop to better improve the continuing education for not just yourself, but your entire staff. Bringing together all of the lectures from the Rugby Strength Coach community, along with the lectures exclusively done for the Central Virginia Sport Performance community, and all the lectures performed at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar, make this an absolute must for performance coaches around the world. The world-class lectures at the Strength Coach Network are not all that you'll see as well. The discussion in the forums and the support and the career guidance from some of the top practitioners in the world, from people all over the world, makes this an absolute must and a great place for you to network, learn, and grow as a performance professional. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS, that's C-V-A-S-P-S, to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. We're sure you're going to find great value in the Strength Coach Network and are really excited to have you involved. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS to check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely sensational discussion talking about the role of higher education in developing coaches with Chris Toombs. After Chris gives us kind of his background from coaching into academia and from Great Britain to the States and back again, we get right into it and where he sees the importance of having people who have that in-the-trenches knowledge, if you may, in academia, helping coaches to understand the, the real-life situations of coaching, not just you know what, what the textbooks say and the science behind all of it. We then start talking about behavior changes and how he utilized different things as a coach to get his athletes to do or buy in or, or make changes to their lifestyles and how he is educating and teaching young coaches some of those tricks of the trade, if you may, uh, in today's classes that he's teaching. We finish off talking about the direction that he sees academia going when it comes to developing coaches and how important that is in the future and how he sees that evolving even more as we progress forward. Guys, this is really an awesome talk. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. No, it's an absolute pleasure, Jay. I'm really looking forward to it. 
Yeah, so listen, let's let's let the people know who you are, you know, how you got there, what you're working on now, and, and what's got you excited. Okay, okay, great. Well, do you want the short version or the long version? Because I've basically been in um, the fitness industry and strength and conditioning for 25 years now, so I don't want to give away my age, but pretty much started out as a personal trainer having left university in the mid-1990s where... There weren't too many strength and conditioning degrees, and there certainly weren't too many masters of strength and conditioning kicking around. Um, just found my feet in the fitness industry really for, like I say, seven years, worked in London, um, London, England, that is, and just literally stumbled across a professional sports um, job just as the English Institute of Sport was coming into its fruition with regards to sort of formalizing strength and conditioning provision of service for athletes in and around London. Um, from there, mate, I was very, very lucky to get myself a professional sports job working for Leicester Tigers, who at the time were a pretty prominent and still are a pretty prominent um, professional rugby team. I worked at the academy level, developing their kind of under 21 age group players and transitioned into the first team. After I left um, Leicester Tigers, I went down to Wales where I ended up working for the Cardiff Blues for nearly a decade. That's across a multitude of roles, primarily in the first two or three years, um, working with academy age group players. And then as some of the uh, academy age group players transitioned into their senior full-time professional uh, rugby careers, I ended up getting promoted with those guys. So I had another six years working in the first team at Cardiff Blues, which was a very, very fulfilling role. Um, saw a lot of young players develop into pretty senior and world-renowned um, international rugby players, which was, you know, very satisfying as a strength and conditioning coach. And um, unfortunately, like every, every S&C coach who pretty much works in professional sport, at one time, I think it was early 2013, um, yeah, I got released from my, uh, from my contract there, just not necessarily a clash of personalities or anything like that. It was, um, in hindsight, it was probably a good thing. I'd been there nine years and um, yeah, time for a time for a freshen up. So with uh, with me having married an American, I ended up getting myself a green card and traveling to the US in 2014 and spent two years working in a, the Pacific Northwest in Seattle for a rugby organization who were literally just a company um, just sitting underneath USA Rugby in terms of its national priority to just just increase the participation in rugby and generally build the profile of rugby in North America, which is, which is a really cool and exciting job. And like I said to you off air, it, um, it allowed me to travel and see 20 states in, uh, in America in just under two years, so, or just over two years. So that was a really great experience for me, very positive experience. and actually made me kind of appreciate my coaching so much more. And throughout that time, just had a little bit of um, opportunity to to train some potential Olympians. And one of those ended up going to Rio 2016 as a USA rugby um, international sevens player on the women's uh, program. So again, a nice little coaching moment for me. Um, that coincided with two young children getting to about school age. So from that point of view, I and my wife also uh, made a family decision to move back to the UK. I had one year working in a professional cricket side, which was fun, really fun, enjoyable. And I'll maybe share some more about that journey uh, with you as we develop this, um, this podcast. But from there, I transitioned out of professional sport and into the academic sector. And I'm now a 
lecturer in strength and conditioning down in South Wales. And um, yeah, hopefully the next chapter of my career develops into coach mentoring and coach education workshops and, and wrapping sort of strength and conditioning education around uh, my full-time job. Well, now that you're able to do the one thing that we weren't able to have us young pups uh, back in the day, and that's have a, a lecturer with some actual foot on the ground experience. How are you seeing that education kind of as a global view and when it comes to developing the overall picture when it comes to athlete development? Yeah, I mean, Jay, that's one of the things that I'd like to think is uh, I'm not wanting to just promote the course that I particularly uh, lecture on. But I think one of the key strengths that someone who's had industry experience brings to you know, the classroom is the fact that the nuances of coaching and the realities of high performance sport are not necessarily written down in black and white in either peer reviewed journals or in uh, in the textbooks. I think the reality is if you've worked on the ground and you've seen and, and uh, experienced some challenges and overcome them, I think you get to understand sports performance in a much, much bigger or sorry, a bigger picture um, snapshot versus a, oh my God, I've got to make sure they all squat this week, or I've got to make sure they all clean this week. And I think if you've been on the shop floor for a certain amount of time, you recognize that creating adaptation is, is the important thing. How you create that adaptation is not necessarily everyone's got to squat, everyone's got to deadlift, everyone's got to clean, everyone's got to sprint. Yes, all of those things are vital for, for, for the majority of athletes, but also on the flip side of that, when you've got a 35-year-old rugby player who's absolutely banged up from 15 years of playing at the highest level you've got to be much much more creative with your solutions and in that respect you then become much more of a quality problem solver and also a sort of what I would consider asset manager so it's not about some of the physical outputs that you provide for them on a week-to-week basis it's more about are you providing that athlete the opportunity to be available next week or the week after, or the week after, or more importantly, the game at the weekend, which is in professional sport, a must-win kind of environment. I love that because obviously, you know, the people that have listened to our show know that I'm more of a results-driven guy. And when you're talking results-driven, you, you threw a curveball in there with the athletes that you've worked with throughout your career when it comes to results. Like, it was rugby, 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 cricket, and now to academics. So how has that, this broader view, um, been impacted by your work in rugby and then possibly almost flipped on its head when dealing with the cricket player? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I know you had Darren Vanessa on last week, and we chatted actually um, after he had been on the show. And we got talking about some of the challenges I faced there and uh, some of the challenges he faces on a week-to-week. He's been involved in professional cricket for two decades, so he's pretty accomplished. But uh, to come back to you, I think it comes back to that decision-making and that process of um, ultimately being good at problem-solving and manipulating variables at very, very short notice. So there, I always laugh at guys who, who build these phenomenal six to 12 week training programs on Excel spreadsheets and everything's mapped out and planned to absolutely the nth degree of preciseness. And the reality is I remember doing it and it's a boring story, but the player's pretty good. Um, there's a guy called Martin Williams, who's a, a Welsh international, fantastic player, great servant to the sport. And um, anyway, long story short, I did, I finished his six week training block. This is going back close to a decade now, well, more than a decade, 2007, I think. 
I built this six-week training program for him, and I'd finished it on the Friday. Uh, we end up playing a rugby match against uh, a team on the Saturday. He breaks his arm. And the reality is that that was a sort of aha coaching moment for me. And it kind of stems from how my programming philosophies evolved since then regarding having a structural framework that's very, very agile and you can manipulate and manage it on a daily basis. Because in rugby particularly, you're looking at modifying programming pretty much for 80% of your population. And you're not going to pre prescribe exactly what you have planned from week to week. The game, the game is a collision-based sport. It doesn't allow you the luxury of six weeks of uninterrupted training without a single modification. I would beg a belief if anybody in rugby working in strength and conditioning provides six weeks of absolutely perfectly planned stimulus. I'll be, I'll be amazed. Oh, I'm sure. Because it's the same really with American football where there's constantly the, the need of flexibility and almost some form of fluid type periodization due to the workload and, and all of that. Um, but then you take all that and you go to the cricket pitch, which I still don't understand how it's four days long. Um, <laughs> sometimes five, sometimes no result. Yeah. That's one of the things, I guess, from my side, living, having lived in the U.S. for a while and obviously teams winning in overtime and you go to extra time to make sure there's an outcome of a game. I think cricket would be something that blows, blows uh, a, an American's mind in that respect. But um, yeah, the challenges of cricket were very, very interesting. And it, and it did, I think, again, lead me to become a better practitioner because I had to try to influence, and I say try, I had to try and influence athletes behavior it's a high skill sport it's a bit like baseball you're trying to hit a missile that's flying at you at close to 100 miles an hour um, you're playing every other day you're playing sometimes you know four, like you say four days in a row but one thing that uh, cricket has is a lot of downtime and I think if you understand it's a bit like doing any needs analysis for any sport if you understand the demands of the sport and you understand um, an individual player's potential training gaps you don't need, and this is where I think, um, again, it's about not necessarily having such a rigid view of, oh, my God, I need at least three weight training sessions a week. I need at least an hour for a speed session. I need another hour for my energy system development. I think if you're confident enough with the prescription that you can deliver to a player, you can get a strength stimulus out of an athlete in 30 minutes. You know, they make them warm up properly, you know, focus on some mobility restrictions, um, Give them two exercises because two exercises is better than no exercises. And it's again, it's about, right, what do we what do we got? We've got a time constraint. We've got um, we've got agility required because it may be that they can't train on a Monday, especially if you say, for example, a, an opening batsman who bats all day. Well, great. You've had you've had a physical output that day. You've spent six hours facing, like I say, 90 mile an hour bowling. You've expended a lot of energy. You've used your you've used your physical capacities in the in the truest sense in terms of your sports specificities being absolutely the dominant factor today. But it means that tomorrow's likely to be a recovery day, and then it may be the next day we can give you a short, small dose of either speed or strength. Because the focus I had, Jay, in the cricket was you're on your feet four to six days a week. So in terms of developing your sports specific energy systems and your sports specific skills. You're getting plenty of that exposure. So what do I want? I want to focus on the highest quality 
physical outputs, which for me are maintaining your speed, because inevitably you also, by dosing speed, create a little bit of robustness around, you know, hamstring health and all that kind of stuff. And obviously the same applied for the strength stimulus. I thought if I can get at least two 30 to 45 minute weight sessions out of these guys every week, they're building that little bit of resilience for the outputs that they're required to put in week in, week out for six months straight on the cricket field. So that was my main focus. Two to three exposures of some sort of high quality physical output a week. And then, and as we talked about just briefly off air, it really then became important to give that athlete the opportunity or at least educate them when it comes to looking after their soft tissue work, looking after and making better choices from the nutritional standpoint. And that way, you're just wrapping other performance variables into your program. And it's not just, let's just focus on the physical. Let's make sure your hydration's a little bit better. Let's make sure instead of drinking four beers each night, you drink two beers each night. You make better choices. And that sounds ridiculous, but for those who know cricket, and I'm sure it may be similar in baseball, I'm not sure. There's a fair few guys who love a beer. And there's a fair few guys who love a beer four to six times a week and that's going to add up and that's going to impact on your performance for obvious reasons so those kind of decisions and that kind of i guess influencing behavioral change would have been something that i really really had to focus hard on to make an impact in that particular environment does that make sense a thousand percent and let's keep running down that rabbit hole what are some ways because i'll tell you right now when it comes to Athletes in the U.S. right now, I think that that behavioral change is probably the hardest thing that we're seeing um, when it comes to eliciting that in the entire training process. So what are some ways that you had some success with that, um, with with all of those different ways, like all those different things you talk about? Um, Well, I think it goes back to sort of uh, the coach and I take some sort of it's it's more retrospective, but Jeremy Shepard up in uh, in Canada now, it's kind of that servant. And we are we are serving. And I think that's the attitude that I have as a coach. I'm there to serve the athlete, but I'm not there to basically wipe the backside of the athlete, but I'm there to serve the athlete. I'm trying to do my best so that they perform on the field as, as often as possible. So, for example, it would be. Um, even me, and I'm 40-something years old, and I'm not ashamed to say it, I'd make um, protein smoothies, for example. And I have no issue standing at the blender, putting in the blueberries, the banana, the protein drink, the whatever else. I'd hide as my best friend. Well, one of, not my, one, of my, one of my good friends in England will say, um, Darren Roberts, he loves, he loves a name check in a podcast as well, so he'll love that. But Darren, Darren says hide the broccoli. And that's in terms of delivering a stimulus to an athlete as well as delivering them some good quality nutrition. So what I might do is make a banana and peanut butter smoothie and just chuck some spinach in there and some blueberries or whatever. So I just subtly made an impact on the the quality of input into an athlete's diet by just literally making some quality smoothies, having a little bit more say in the kitchen when it came to guys, let's plan these, um, these meals for our athletes a little bit more successfully. And then you're actually then sitting around the, you spend a lot of time with athletes, especially in cricket, you sit around the table and you just, you know, you're beavering away at talking to the people about making better choices. You're talking about influencing them subliminally. So for me, I was very fortunate that I worked in Welsh, well, for Cardiff Blues, but in Welsh rugby, when a guy called Craig White was was very prevalent. And I think you, you may have heard that name before. He's very, very um, accomplished rugby uh, strength and conditioning coach. But he was brilliant on uh, signage 
and just visuals and putting big, big signs all over the training building that would be, um, the first one was, it's, it was titled, Are You Tired? And it, it, and it had a 12-point checklist about living the lifestyle of a, of, an, of a quality professional athlete. It was hydration. It was, do you eat organic produce? Do you, you know, eat, drink you know, high-quality recovery shakes? Do you have soft tissue work? Do you sleep the same amount of hours a night, et cetera, et cetera? But that was kind of how I evolved my, my practice to just influence athletes face-to-face, over dinner, you know, vegetables, hydration, just chip away, protein, whatever it may be. And I'm not a nutritionist, but I know that eating fast food and eating nutrient-dense food are two different things, and they make you feel two different ways. And that's where I kind of got my level of interest into, right, I might not be making the massive difference in physical output, but in terms of performance, I'm making a difference because I'm actually trying to initiate behavioral change in these athletes so that they make better choices more often and that's the kind of thing that i've continued to run with outside of my performance coach kind of career and into my um, academic career and through my extension of my professional network now there's a guy um he works with um yachting america's cup yachting his name's ben williams he's a fantastic practitioner because he's again he's one of those guys who appreciates how many jigsaw pieces go together to impact on performance and nutrition and nutritional science is a big, big focal area for immunity, for performance, for fueling the demands of your sport, all that stuff that we both know is so, so important. But still, like you said, a lot of athletes come to training base, haven't had breakfast, haven't had a single, you know, sip of water, whatever it may be, simple things that can impact on how they feel and perform every single day. I love that. And let's keep going down that direction too. So how is this then carried into academia with what you're doing today? Well, I think for me, I know it's an important area to, to provide um, students with the fundamentals of exercise science and, you know, the reps and the reps and sets, the regressions, the progressions, the matrixes. But a lot of, um, for me, particularly in the third year of their undergraduate studies, you're looking at performance management. You're looking at programs that are maneuverable and, and, and go with the flow of understanding traditional periodization methodologies, but also on the flip side of that, integrating what um, a good friend of mine has put into practice a long time ago as well. I know I've dropped a few names today, but Ashley Jones, who again was a, a national level strength and conditioning coach with the New Zealand All Blacks and the Australian uh, Rugby Union team amongst other, uh, other very high profile organizations. But it's about this conjugated, vertically integrated. So I know we've, you know, the guys like Charlie Francis have got this kind of, you know, or did have this periodization type mechanism. It's where essentially everything has to be trained at, at every given time. But what you provide uh, the athlete with most as a priority is is obviously their training weakness, and not necessarily just their training weakness, but you can, you know, you can train their strengths as well. So I think for me, it's understanding that some of the periodization methodologies of yesteryear are a little bit flawed. But also, I think, again, just talking about it from a contextual point of view when it comes to what I would consider storytelling. It's always good to have real life performance examples to back up some of the, the narrative that you're kind of speaking. So, for example, that that uh, that broken arm scenario is a good one. You can tell a story that resonates with an a- with a with a coach or with an athlete or with a student, 
listen, I'm, I'm encouraging you to plan. I'm encouraging you to plan thoroughly. But I'm also, on the flip side of that, encouraging you to think about the potential problem solving and solutions you may need that aren't necessarily stuck to this six-week program. Are you with me? 100%. So you, you're, coming, you're coming from it from two sides. You think this is, this is what the theory and this is what the textbook and this is what some of the peer review is telling you, but you've also got to critically evaluate and think outside of that. And it's great. Um, a really good example would be um, J.B. Moran. So J.B. Moran, you guys have come across J.B. Moran. He's a French uh, sports scientist. He's just really spent a lot of the last maybe decade proving what some of uh, the rugby strength and conditioning coaches have been doing for maybe 15 or 20 years, which is heavy sled towing has a has a positive impact on, you know, carrying effectiveness and acceleration, even though some of the purists would say, oh, no, you can't add more than 10 percent body weight to the sled because that that mechanical um, dysfunction is just going to be so apparent. But it's like, well, hold on a minute, because in the field of, of rugby preparation in the early 2000s, we were doing very, very heavy sled toes. And we're talking 100 kgs, 225 pounds on a sled. And some of the most high quality physical outputs in some people's training weeks would just be six to eight reps of heavy sled toes. That would be their strength and power programming. That's all they were doing. Because going back full circle, squatting wasn't great for them because they were banged up. Deadlifting wasn't an option and power clean certainly wasn't an option with the elbows and the shoulder problems. So you had to think of a solution. So how do we load an athlete? Well, let's do some heavy sled toes. We didn't do any research on it. Thankfully, now the research is caught up with the practitioner and everyone's going, whoa, this is cool. I can literally sled toe with 80 kgs. Yeah, of course you can. And guess what? You'll have some seriously quality, good, uh, good outputs from there as well and have a training effect that you want. And one that has direct carryover. Absolutely. The transfer was huge. And then, you know, it started to carry on. It started to pick up. And now everyone's like, yeah, this is cool. But it's great that the validation of scientific evidence prov- proves that something that practitioners have been doing for a fairly long time is is obviously an effective method of, you know, transfer of force application horizontally. Beautiful. I love it. So now, looking to the future, where does Chris see that academic involvement continuing to progress forward in our world of strength conditioning slash performance slash whatever the next term is going to be to describe yeah. what we do? No, brilliant. I think this is this is a great touch point because right right now, I think there's a lot of I don't know which social media platforms you use, but some of the stuff that I see, um, we can't get away from social media. It has lots of positives. It has a few negatives. We both know that. But um, the thread that I keep seeing is that universities particularly are producing um, academics who are very limited in their application of the theory. So that's the challenge we've got to overcome as um, academics is provide a little bit more real life. Well, two things, real life opportunity for young coaches to get immersed in coaching. First and foremost, make mistakes coaching. I don't care whether you coach under nines or I don't care. I don't care whether you coach under 15s. I don't care whether you coach senior men, senior women. Um, I just want you to immerse yourself in the coaching process. So first and foremost, kids and young students have got to get their hands dirty as much as they can. Practical application for me has the highest possible carryover. You have to still, on the flip side of that, have a balance of fundamental knowledge and competency that allows you then to carry that into 
a training environment, whether that's field-based training environment, gym-based training environment, the complete gym, uh, the complete environment. And and the other thing about that, and again, uh, not wanting to big Ben up again too much, but what I love about Ben Williams at um, at Ionos, the the yachting crew, is that you're then immersing coaches not just in the training process, but you're immersing coaches and exposing them to right. Spend a week with the nutritionist see what's going on in the nutrition realm, then go and spend a week with the soft tissue therapist. And chances are you as a practitioner will get much more rounded into, okay, well, this part of what I'm doing meshes really nicely with the thing that the soft tissue therapist is doing. And in conjunction with both of those things, what the nutritionist is trying to do is one, keep this athlete health and then you start to build like we've just uh, kind of taken a few steps uh, back is build a much more global appreciation that it's not just what i'm doing with this athlete or this sports person that's making a difference it's what we all do with that sports person is making a difference and they will then be more available they'll be injury free they will perform optimally more often they will give us the output we need but all of us need input into that and that's the biggest challenge i have where when you're a young coach and i was the same and i'm sure you were the same i needed to make sure that i did my bit and i delivered my hour of weight training my hour of speed training my hour of energy system development work because otherwise i didn't feel this is me as a young coach i didn't feel like i was accomplishing what i needed to accomplish but now i'm much more confident because of the skill set that i've developed over 15 20 years to be comfortable to say, hey, I only need half an hour with this guy. You spend the extra half hour doing what they need to do away from me to become a better player. And that was a big, big thing for me. I think I had probably four or five years where I didn't get that. And then I had probably seven to 10 years where I was like, yeah, even if I do less, I can impact more. And I think that was, that's kind of the, I'm hoping that's sort of some of the biggest messaging I can pass on over the last sort of 20 so years. Sensational. That That's absolutely fantastic. So, Chris, let, let's get you out on this. Where can people find more? Where can they keep up with what you're doing and, and where can they get in touch with you? So I'm on I'm on Twitter and Instagram. I'm trying to keep up with the kids. Um, I'm Chris Toom, 71. Very, very unoriginal. It's uh, my name and my uh, my birth year. But uh, yeah, Chris Toom, 71 on Twitter and on, on Instagram. And uh, yeah, mate, it's great. It's been uh, It's been a real pleasure to to chew the fat with you and um yeah hopefully i can do it again soon yeah 100 percent, man this is absolutely sensational people are going to love it I, I can't thank you enough for your time chris uh this is great stuff thanks jay i really appreciate it yeah man well we'll be in touch real soon bud thank you so much for your time yeah. cheers thanks jay yeah man Bye. and a huge thanks to chris toombs for spending the time with us today guys just open honest candid sharing from a guy who's kind of done it all right he's been a high level coach he's been around the world and seen it through multiple lenses of different sports in different cultures and now trying to give back and help the future be better. Chris, I can't thank you enough for all you're doing for all of us to be better, man. Keep up the great work. We truly appreciate everything you're doing. And as guys, as always, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, we are just trying to get the best information out there to all the great coaches that we can. And as always, guys, thank you you for everything that you do for us here at central virginia sport performance we will be back next week with another awesome guest 
We will see you then.